talking about? So we did it. That was good. You think uh, that we've done this like 15 times. <laughs> yeah, 13. 13. Uh, welcome to You Have to Read This Book podcast. Uh, this is episode 13. I'm Bailey and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Peyton and my pronouns are also she, her. And we have a great guest this week. Her name is Lizzie and um, I'm. I, we did not ask, but I think her pronouns are also she, her. I think so too. We didn't ask for the worst, but I believe that they are. Um, but I love Lizzie. Lizzie was my resident at UK. Um, and so I was very excited to catch up with her. She's great. Yeah. Um, and what we're talking about today was super fun and like probably the most book clubby book that we've done. For sure. It's um, The Seven Hus- Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, she literally says it's like a book club book the author does. Like she writes women's book club books is what she says when she at, they ask the genre. Um, but this book is so beautiful and like I just can't wait for, to talk about it. Yeah, I don't think I expected to like it as much as I did. Um, and I don't know why because I love uh, Daisy Jones and the Six, but I loved it. It was a great pick. And I'm impressed that um, that I liked it as much as I did. So, My picks are all amazing. Actually, yeah, you, you picked some really good books. They Never Learn was... Yeah. Eh, that was maybe not... A, we can pretend you didn't pick that one if you want. Thank you. Um, well, how is your life? How are you? Um, I'm good. I am in my last class for my CFP, and then I'll be on to... sorry, reviews and um, like finalize, like the final project. And then I'm getting ready to go on vacation, a much needed vacation to Washington DC um, this week, which is the first time that I've been since my one day trip in high school um, when I was only there for 12 hours. Something that I don't support anymore. (laughs) Um, I know. Yeah, yeah. But so I'm excited, how's your life? Oh my gosh, I'm not stressed. For the first time in like ever, I mean, not ever, but like since we started this podcast, honestly, um, I have two months, three months, three months off school. Um, I, all I have to do is start an internship for two of the months, but um, right now I am in Kentucky and I am relaxing. I'm reading. Um, I'm hopefully going to read a bunch this summer. Um, and I just... I'm enjoying being relaxed and not stressing. I'm so proud of you for getting through your first year of law school with no breakdowns and like, do I mean, if even if you had breakdowns, I'd be proud of you, but like you, you are amazing. And I'm just really proud of, of how far you've, you've come in your own goals. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that you are a steadfast supporter. You're welcome. Anything for you, friend? What books are you reading right now? Um, I have like a ton of net galleys that I need to get through. Um, so I, I like, I just finished Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo and I'm going to read net galleys after this, I think, except I also though did just buy Never Let Me Go. Um, ever since our episode with Rachel, I've been wanting to read it. It's the one by Kazuya Ishiguro. Yeah, let me know how that one is because I do want to read that one too. Well, she says it's like you don't really know what it's about. So I'm not going to tell you what it's about, but I will tell you if I like it. Yeah. It's okay. short too. Um, and I got it at this like cute little used bookstore in the East Village that only uh, takes cash. Um, so I had a person go to an ATM just to be able to buy this book. But That's that was, so fun. Yeah, it was cool. I had like the best day on Friday. So my last final was Thursday. My last final was Thursday and I went on Friday and like walked around a part of the city that I've always wanted to go to, went to like bookstores and thrift stores. And then Katie and I went to Tompkins Square Park, which is like a park in the East Village. And we like got a blanket and laid in the park and read our respective books. It was freaking adorable. And then we walked and got dinner in like Soho area, Lower East Side, I think. I don't really know exactly where we were. And then we went to this oat milk ice cream place. And then we went back to our apartment and watched Black Panther. So it was literally like the best possible day I could ever think of. That's so fun. Good for you. I'm glad that you were able to do that. And my birthday's coming up. I'm going to turn the age that Peyton was when we met. And she said that she was old and I was young. So like, 
Yeah, that's wild. I turned 25 in two weeks. I stand by the fact that there is a big difference between a 24-year-old and a 25-year-old. I know that sounds crazy, but I, there's a big difference between somebody that's 24 and somebody that's 25. Or no, Well, no, at the time I was 22. Great, I know, but I'm saying that like, I really feel like I was an adult when I was 25. Like when I turned, I was like, all right, this is it. I like my whole life have been looking forward. I have a childhood friend and I like used to write together and our characters were always 25 years old. That's how I feel about 26. That's like always okay. the number that in my mind, that's when you become an adult is like 26. Interesting. Yeah. So mine's 25. Okay, guys, if you're listening, uh, write to us on our Instagram and tell us what age you think being an adult is because I bet that's different for everyone but for me it's 25 yeah for me and I'm a decrepit old woman I'm 20 oh my god am I 28 yes I can't even remember anymore okay well whatever you're not anyway you're not even 30 like 30 isn't even they say you're 30 when you turn 30 you start to like actually start living your best life so I'm actually excited to turn 30 like not concerned now 31 I might be nervous but like 30 whatever okay well I I think (laughs) your, your life is just starting you're not a decrepit old woman thanks appreciate that okay two quick fire questions that are kind of going with the vibe of the book that we're reading today if you had to pick one actor or actress to get a drink with, who would it be? Oh, God dang it. Mine depends on like really what I'm into at that moment, but, um, and who I'm into. Cause I definitely go through phases where like, you know, last year it would have been Tessa Thompson, which like, I also definitely love her, but I think right now it's going to have to be Florence Pugh. I'm like obsessed with her. I just watched a show, uh, with her in it. She just died. It was really good. Um, well, it's, uh, it's, uh, Marcella. It's on, it's BBC procedural. She dies in the third episode horribly. Um, I was going to say, I didn't know she did TV. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it's an older show. Died horribly. Was not good. Um, but she was great in it. I love Florence Pugh. Um, mine would be both Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds and they're a couple. So I feel like I can get away with that. Okay. They'd be a fun couple to have a threesome with. Sure. Or I'd get a drink with. <laughs> Um, okay, second book. If you could be any kind of famous actor, what would your vibe be? Like, would you be a bombshell starlet like Evelyn Hugo? Or would you be like a cool girl indie actor or like a, like a comedy SNL type person? Like, what's what would be your vibe? Jesus, I'm none of those things at all. Yeah, but this um, is like an ideal world. I would be the girl next door actress. Like, um, what's her name? From Kentucky. And early in her career. Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah, but like early in her career. Has ever said that she's the girl next door. She was girl next door early in her career, like her first three movies. She was not an indie actress. She was not a bombshell actress. She was a girl next door actress. And then she became a superstar. Interesting. I feel like there's a specific subset of people that are all working within the same type of movie right now. Like Florence Pugh and like Beanie Feldstein and Saoirse Ronan, like they're all like they're not putting their life in the like public eye that much but they're and they seem like super down to earth but they're also not the girl next door like I don't know I can't decide what type of actor they are but I feel like they all work with Olivia Wilde like just this subset of actresses right now I think I would want to be like them okay I want to be like them too I'm stealing your answer I'm glad so you know what I'm talking about I do 100% absolutely they're like down to earth they just seem like someone you like want to be friends with like but they're not the girl next door Yes. Yes. So that's basically you just need to work with Olivia Wilde. That's okay. like, I mean, let's make that happen. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, Greta Gerwig. I don't know. She's the, she directed, um, uh, the, what is the movie with Saoirse Ronan and Beanie Feldstein? <sighs> Hold on. Now I need to know this. Also, I'm really sorry if you can hear my dad talking in the background. Bailey's dad. He's outside, but, um, <laughs> Here, are you on your patio? Um, I'm in the sun porch. Oh, sun Ladybird. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, we can do that. Um, and they were all like Little Women, like all that like category. Yeah, yeah I want to be one of those. Okay. And um, well, because of like these questions and everything, the get ready for our book discussion with Lizzie because it's a great one. It is. Stay tuned. 
Guys, we, I am so excited to introduce you to Lizzie as she was one of my residents when I was an RA, which is I, like one of the highlights of my college career. I'm super boring, um, but Lizzie was fabulous and I have loved her and kind of am obsessed um, with all of the fun things that she does in her life. And so I'm have, like really excited to catch up and talk with her about this book. And I'm so excited to introduce you all to her. So Lizzie, I just kind of gave a brief overview of how I know you, but do you want to let the good people, our good listeners, uh, know a little bit about you? Sure. Um, so I am originally from Illinois, but then recently moved out to Maine for grad school, um, where I studied to be a speech-language pathologist. And so now I'm working at a hospital, an outpatient clinic here in Maine. And um, I live with my cute little cat, Poppy who just loves to cuddle up, but yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Recently got back into reading a few years ago during grad school. Um, yeah, and that's, I think, it. Did you find it difficult to get back into reading in grad school, or was that like a, I need a mental break from my studies, so I'm going to get back into reading? Yeah, it was more of like a mental break, and I picked it up during like the summer, so I finished like books pretty quickly because there wasn't really much else to do um, besides like school and my placement and work. So that was kind of um, what I did on my breaks to relax and to think about. Um, so yeah, I, and then I got back into like reading like the romance novels like recently just as a like get your mind off of work. So yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, I am all for that. I like think romance novels are the best form of escapism like in the world. Um, and we're we're so happy to have you here. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk with you all. Yeah. Um, the book that we are talking about today is one that I have had on my TBR for so, so long. And I picked it for this because I knew I needed a push to like finally pick, um, pick it up. And this was like my pick for this month. Um, and I'm so excited about it. We read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, a little synopsis of it is aging and reclusive Hollywood movie icon Evelyn Hugo is finally ready to tell the truth about her glamorous and scandalous life. I feel like that's a good quick one sentence description of the book. What do you guys think? Um, yes, I definitely thought this was the seven and a, seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. <laughs> so I like, and I have that one on my bookshelf. So I like went to go get it when I picked this book up and I was like, oh wait, this isn't right. <laughs> so I, I always get them confused too. Like just like picturing the covers. I always like, I'm like, oh, is this? No, it's not. <laughs> different one. And I'm pretty yeah. sure in the UK, it's the seven deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. And they changed it to seven and a half in the US because of uh, this book, Evelyn. Yeah. yeah. So um, no, I think is that's there, great. Okay. Sorry. Now I really want to know, have you read that book? Is there a half death, half death that makes sense? I have not read it. I have no idea what it's about, um, but I will get back to you and let you know if it does make sense. Thank you. I, I'm now I'm very curious. Well, um, okay. This book has like, oh my God, guys, this is one of the best books that I've ever, not that I've ever read, but maybe that I've ever read, um, which is very high praise. I didn't even think about including this. I forgot, but I want to start off this time with star ratings. What did you guys rate this book? Um, I would give it, I give it five out of five. I feel like even after like the second read through, um, I felt like it still held up. Like I still really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite books. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Definitely five out of five. And something that I liked about it is we'll talk about this. I don't think that the that the female characters were ultimately super likable, um, but they were so realistic. And I, I think for me, they were likable, but I didn't necessarily like that I liked them or that I liked what they were doing. Like they felt like real celebrities in that sense. And so we've read books about unlikable female characters before that I was like, yeah, and they were awful. Whereas yeah. um, this one, like Evelyn Hugo and Celia St. James and uh, yeah, uh, 
Cam Connor Cameron, mm -hmm. like not, they were so complex that I want to read it again immediately after putting it down. So definitely five out of five for me. Yeah, I agree. I was also five out of five. Like, I don't think I've read a book in a long time that has so many like nuanced, complex issues um, that like feel so beautifully done and fully fleshed out. Also a book that takes the span of like 70 years makes it even more impressive. Like I just, I love everything about this. And you're not a historical fiction fan. Do you like historical fiction typically, Lizzie? It is not one of um, the genres that I like typically go for. It's like an added bonus, I guess. Um, yeah, it's not typically something that I go for, but I really liked it here. And so I think that speaks volumes to the fact that all three of us, out of the three of us, two of you are not, like I love historical fiction. So I knew I was gonna like this book for that reason. But the fact that you all who don't normally gravitate to it are at like and giving it five stars, that's, that's huge. I mean, it's just such a good book, I loved it. For sure. And I would like to preface by saying I am normally uninterested in books that the entire thing takes place in like um, one time period that's like older, but books that actually span like an entire lifetime, I don't hate. There's another one um, called, um, now I can't, it's by Jennifer Weiner. Um, and it like spans, it's about two sisters and spans from like 50 or so years. And I also really love that one. So I think there is something about so, like following an entire person's life, an interesting person that I do mm -hmm. think is really fun. Yeah, I really liked how it flips um, between like present day and the past. Like when there's like the different perspectives like that too. I'm trying to think, um, uh, there's another book that like flips between, it's like, the believers I think um but that was really good too and it, the great believers um by Rebecca Mackay um flips between like Chicago during the AIDS crisis and then like present day France and it like follows the story of like one person like between the two that sounds amazing my favorite book of 2020 one of my favorite books of 2020 did the same thing it, it pulp by Robin Talley and it follows um like the 1950s the lavender scare and then present day um a high schooler and present day researching lesbian pulp fiction so um excellent books with those flipping time periods there's also some cool parallels in this book between Evelyn and Monique and like this like with their divorce but also just with like you know, standing, finding your place in your career as like a woman and standing up for yourself. And like, they weren't even characters that at the beginning, like seemed like similar, but they're, I really liked, aside from how they're actually related, like, I really just liked even the parallels between their like lives and what was going on in their lives at the time that this was being written. Well, and both of them were mixed, right? Yeah. On top. Oh, yeah. I was the first thing I noticed that parallel between them. Yeah. And how, and Monique even said like, I'm sorry that I like put you in this category um, when she assumed that she was a lesbian because <laughs> she, like she even said like, I've been being put into a category my entire life. Like people ignore that I'm biracial. And she's like, I'm sorry that I did that to you. So like, that was cool. Yeah. Um, I feel like Evelyn taught Monique a lot in their very short time together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Like, even, like, toward the end, I feel like Monique, like, started standing up for herself more um, and kind of taking lessons that Evelyn was telling her, like, you need to, you know, like, you need to demand what you want or you're not going to get it. Um, yeah, so that was really cool trying to see, like, Monique's character development throughout the book. Yeah. Well, take, like taking your power back as a woman and like doing what you need to do to be successful. Um, that's what Taylor Jenkins Reid said that she wants everyone's main takeaway to be of this book. Do you think that, that was like your main takeaway? Uh, I can start. I mean, <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> I, I don't think it was. I think this book was 
way bigger than that for me, but I can see why she wants people to take that, like for that to be their big takeaway. But for me, like this, that did not feel like the main takeaway. Yeah, I think I would say like my main takeaway was that there's like never as it seems and there's always like two sides to a story, I guess is like my main takeaway because it's like the press showed what they thought, but then Evelyn was giving her side and, you know, explaining exactly what was happening and what the reasoning behind it was. So that's, I guess that goes into like her taking her power back, but um, yeah, it wasn't my main takeaway. I don't know what my main takeaway was <laughs> like um I was very wrapped up in like Evelyn's very no nonsense no like she wasn't looking she wanted to tell her story and she finally wanted everyone to know like her truth um and take back I don't even think that like her telling her story was really about her taking back her power necessarily um, but there, I couldn't figure out the dynamic. It didn't sit like, for some reason it didn't sit with me. I couldn't figure out the dynamic at the very end of her, like needing to tell Monique what she told her. Um, and I try, I was trying to like reconcile if Evelyn thought she was giving Monique closure or the truth, or if that was really just Evelyn getting something out of it and being very selfish and not actually giving Monique, because I don't feel like Monique got closure. Out no, of- I feel like Monique had closure. Right. And, and then I was like, surprise. <laughs> Just kidding. Everything you thought was wrong. Right. And I now know. she, and now she has this secret that she has to decide if she is going to share it or not. And so I've, I've, Evelyn was very manipulative and I'm still trying to figure out what her game was telling that to Monique, but there was some kind of power dynamic there that I couldn't figure out. See, I kind of think that it was just about like radical honesty. I think she had kept all of these things her entire life and she was tired of it. And she just like wanted to get it all out in the open while she still could. Yeah, I guess radical on Yeah, because I mean, she was, she had no secrets left, but it was kind of like a, I'm going to tell you everything, no matter like what the consequences were it, of it are for you. Yeah. You know, she didn't really, didn't seem like she cared that like her radical honesty, how it would affect Monique and what situation and put Monique in. Absolutely. And I I think there are people in the world, I think I'm one of those people that thinks it's better to have the truth out there, even if it hurts. And not everyone's like that. But like, I very much am. So I think I understand that part of Evelyn. Of like, feeling the need to like, tell Monique that even if she knows it's going to hurt her, because like, in the end, I don't know, I, I think it's better to like, know the things. And that was real growth for Evelyn because she wasn't that way young. I mean, she lost a lot. Like she lost the love of her life because she wasn't honest when she needed. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, This is like one of the discussion points I want to talk to later, but I feel like just everything that happens over Evelyn's life changes her a lot and it definitely changed how I saw her. But first, one of the things that I know Payton's excited to talk about is just like the how realistic the characters are. I felt like every character, I think a lot of the characters were likable, but they were nuanced in a way that like where they had realistic flaws. And even in my opinion, like Celia was one of the most likable characters, but I think even um, like Taylor added parts where when she was drunk, she would get mean. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, she would put down Evelyn's like acting ability. Like every, even like the best people, the most bubbly people like Celia, like, have you know those like nuances in their personality um and that's just life so I really like that she didn't make her perfect yeah I liked that there were no perfect characters um and everybody had their own set of flaws and something um that I don't know made made them unlikable but you still wanted to root for them 
Yeah, and I I liked the characters, but I think I sh- like it's like liking a celebrity, you know. Like I'm I love The Bachelor, and I love the contestants in The Bachelor, but I hate that I love the contestants in The Bachelor. You know what I mean? So like for me, I was reading this book, and I was like, oh my god, if these people were real, I would be obsessed with them. Like right. I would want. I would spend so much of my time on their Instagram and reading, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so I kind of hated that I was so invested in, in, because they were celebrities and they were petty and they were like very real nuanced people that we idolize and we idolize those celebrities in real life. So I think like, wow, she did an incredible job of, of portraying the world's weird obsession with, with beauty and fame and celebrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also think, and I just realized this, like, so you brought up like how Celia was mean and like when she was drunk and like put, put Evelyn down, but ultimately she was the character I think that we most rooted for. And she played Beth in Little Women, who is the character that gets the most sympathy because she dies at the end. And that's also- Whoa! So just put that together and blew my own mind. <laughs> You're like, whoa. <laughs> mind blown. Yeah, and it's interesting, like even when they were casting that, they were like, oh, well, she's gonna get Beth. So like, she's gonna be the favorite. And they were kind of like, even from the beginning, like the studio was setting her up to be like that sweetheart. And I think even in um, like the newspaper clipping that I was like her, you know, announcing her death, it was like, oh, America's sweetheart. And it was kind of like, that was always her like shtick, I guess. Yeah. Like how they were casting her and how they made her out to look. So, yeah. I, so who is your favorite character? Both of you are, I want to know. I really liked Harry. I think Harry was my favorite, like, throughout the book. Um, I just really liked his relationship with Evelyn, and he was, like, always the one rooting for her, no matter what, and that was just really cool to see. Yeah, I think it'd be Harry. I think right up, like, while I was reading it, I think it was Celia, but, like, I don't know. Now that I've had a whole maybe like 16 hours since I finished this book <laughs> to Good. think about it. Um, Cause I stayed up very late finishing it cause it was worth it. Um, now I think it might be Evelyn. There's a lot to her that mm-hmm. the more I think about the more I, I don't know, I guess relate to like respect. She played the game. I really liked that about her. I liked that she was a smart character and knew how things would look and knew how to use her strengths and how to take advantage of situations. Yeah, she she was a taker. She didn't ask mm-hmm. for what she wanted. She took what she wanted. I admired that about Evelyn yeah. for sure. Um, I think Evelyn was, I loved Harry too. Like really loved Harry. <laughs> um, and I loved Evelyn, but honestly, I loved the characters off the, the um, John and Harry and Celia and Evelyn. I loved them when they were couples. It's that together. dynamic. That was like my favorite. Yeah. That was like the rosy glow of the book. And it was mm-hmm. that's my favorite part. But also at the same time, like one of the most devastating parts of the book. Yeah. Yeah. It was like right after, like, I think, was it Harry's birthday where she was like, and that was the last time everything was good again. I was like, oh. <laughs> Great, you ruined it. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and I think she like admits it. She's like, and that was like right before I ruined everything. Yeah, when they had like picnic in the park. Yeah, and it was so heartbreaking. Like even just reading it, you like know that she knows what she did was bad, and that she knows she like messed up the best thing. So sad. And um, one other thing, kind of on this topic, um, Taylor Jenkins Reid did this interview where she was like she feels like especially female characters are either likable or respected and she said she wanted people to come out of this book respecting Evelyn more than she wanted them to come out of it liking her did you Mm -hmm. guys like her respect her both how'd you end 
I think respected more than liked, but I liked her, but I definitely respected her. Yeah, definitely. I liked reading about her and I definitely at the end when she was talking with Monique about like, oh, make sure I want you to know that like, or I want the readers of this book to know that like everything I did, I did for my family. And And I I would do it again. Yeah. And then she was like, I don't regret anything. And I was like, oh, that's like real. I think a really big thing to say, especially if, you know, she knows she made mistakes, but she was like, you know, I would do everything again since it protected the people that I loved. And I thought that was really cool. And yeah, and just like big respect for her and being able to like admit mistakes, but admitting that like she wasn't a great person, but she did it for the right reasons. Yeah, for sure. Do you agree, Bailey, that you respected more than liked her or is it the other way around? No, I definitely respected more than liked her. I just like something about her definitely like was super relatable to me. I don't know what it is exactly, but like, so I liked that aspect, but overall, like I would, I would say I respected her more than I liked her. I don't like what she did to like how she approached it with Monique, even though I understand why she did it. I wouldn't say that I liked that. And it's really interesting actually that we do feel like we walked away respecting her because she made really terrible life choice like she did awful things like she was and she didn't care like well she cared but she didn't care to be forgiven this she wasn't Mm -hmm. spilling her guts to be like I'm so sorry America that you're I'm not really who you think I am and that um I'm so sorry Monique that I'm going to tell you this and that I did this into your past um it was a here's what I did take it or leave it and putting down my cards um and I so I guess that's maybe why I respect her is because it was very no nonsense but for the things that she did it's interesting that we all are like yeah I respected her she's great well I think the author walked a very fine line with what she did with Monique's dad because it could have been a lot worse if he had like still been alive at the time of the accident or you know I think she walked a very fine line to make it like you know morally gray but like not you know like it wasn't as condemning as it could have been for sure did you all see that coming I knew that her dad was going to somehow be connected to Evelyn but I had no idea like I was like all right well I have no idea no I didn't see it coming um when I read it the first time and I kind of I was like oh it was like one of those like lower the book and like stare at a wall situation for a little bit um yeah I was like wow well are you saying you didn't see it coming from the beginning or you didn't see it coming until the reveal that it was her father in the car accident like because once they talked about the car accident I knew it was going to be Monique's father oh really so you knew like no it it was not until the reveal like so I knew that her dad was going to be connected to Evelyn somehow um but I didn't know like I kept waiting so like the car accident happened And I guess I was so focused on her grief that I didn't look at the bigger picture. Like I really narrowed my scope to just watching, watching her grieve over Harry um, instead of paying attention. And I thought it was going to have something to do with Nick, her driver. Um, But he just was a flash and pan, never came back in the book. So I was, surprised and books don't normally catch me by surprise um for the reveal yeah I was definitely surprised I knew that he was that the dad was gonna like tie into it but I didn't realize it was the dad at the car accident right yeah I wasn't sure how he was gonna tie in and then like the big big reveal I was like oh all right I well I suspected but I wasn't sure but then like before the reveal, but after the car accident, she made some comment about like the fact that he was a black man. And that's what I knew. Mm, yeah. Oh, did she? Okay. I might need to go back and like reread that. Cause I remember going, well, maybe if she'd said that and I just maybe wasn't thinking, I don't know, whatever, but it was good. It was a perfect way to tie everything mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Okay. Um. Now I want your opinion on, okay. So Evelyn's big love of her life plot twist if you haven't read the book but it's not one of her seven husbands it is Celia St. James did you guys think that this was like a tragedy or an epic love story 
their romance, their story? Asked hard questions for this discussion. Really. I'm trying to get into it. <laughs> I, I mean, I think they had an epic love story that was a tragedy. Can it be both? Yes, it absolutely can. And I, I also think it's both. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a lot of like star-crossed lovers, yeah. like in that whole situation, like they were meant to be, but like they couldn't be together in the way that they always wanted to. Yeah. Until like the end. And even then it was still kind of under wraps. And I think not as public as they would have wanted it to be. Right. Um, it was, yeah, like, and the fact that when they could be together, they had to be somewhere that no one knew who they were and they still weren't really together. And I'm, I'm studying a state law right now, estate planning laws. And so like the fact that Celia had thought about like, I need you to marry my brother so that you can control my estate so that you get mm-hmm. my money. I was like, oh my, like it, it's just, it was so sad. Like that it really kind of drove home the fact that they never were gonna get to be together in the world that they were in. And even mm-hmm. in death, they, she was not going to be able to celebrate her love. It was so sad. And even the fact that, I can't tell if this actually helps them or hurts them, but they were like two of the biggest women on the planet. And like, you would think if anyone could make it work, it would be them. But also because of that, they do have the extra spotlight. But mm-hmm. like, then again, they aren't, you know, in, like they're not going to be cut off financially from their family. So like a lot of other people might've been if they came out at that time. So it's like, it kind of is a double-sided sword. Like the fact that they were two of the most famous, famous women on the planet means that they had more privilege that they like might've been able to come out easier. But on the other side, maybe because there was so much of a spotlight on them that like that doomed them from the start. I can't, I don't know. Like that's so hard. And I think Evelyn knew what she would be losing right because she Mm -hmm. came from poverty she came from hell's kitchen and an abusive situation and she had nowhere to go back to so if she didn't have acting and once that money was gone she she knew she wouldn't be able to survive it right and she definitely knew that celia who had never dealt with that at all wouldn't be able to survive it i think so i like I don't know. I just think it made that like their position made it harder for Evelyn to be able to say, I'm done. I can walk away. Yeah. It was interesting um, looking at how Celia and Evelyn viewed being public. Cause I think Evelyn had um, like more realistic or um, like was more uh, I'm like losing my words. Like aware Uh, of the times? Yeah, like aware of it. It was more like pessimistic about being public. um, Whereas Celia was more optimistic and viewing everything through like the rose colored glasses. Being like, no, it'd be okay. Like we still have each other and we could like make it work. And I was like, "Um, yeah, but like what would happen if like all of this disappeared? And the, the thing that made me mad was that by the time... Evelyn was like, I'm ready to give it all up. She wasn't giving any, she wasn't giving anything up anymore. Her career was done. She was old and was not getting cast as much because she wasn't the sex pot that they were all casting her for anymore. And she was getting roles she didn't care about. So of course she was comfortable with finally giving up her career. So it really bothered me that she was fine. She's like, I'm going to give it all up for you. I don't care anymore. I'm like, well, of course you don't care anymore. You're not, Yeah. you don't have anything to give up. Like and just I think a the, little too late. Yeah. And I think the only reason that she could get away with that is because Celia was dying. Mm-hmm. Okay. But here's the thing that I was thinking about. Evelyn, of all of the times that they broke up, Evelyn never actually walked away from Celia. It was always Celia that walked away from Evelyn. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay, Evelyn made some bad choices, but in her mind, they were choices that were going to help her stay with Celia. Mm-hmm. Like sleeping with Mickey, which I honestly think is one of the worst things that she did in this book is what she did to him, even though he was also doing it to her. So like, it's, you know, kind of 
you know, both ways, but they played um, each other. Yeah. But like she, I mean, it might've been a little bit like self-sabotage, but like, I truly think she thought that that was going to help them stay together. And when she did that scene with Dawn in that movie, to be honest, I don't really understand why Celia walked away because of that. That didn't seem like such a big deal to me. I did. Um, (laughs) That I was like, I highlighted whole passages of that, like, oh my god I can't believe she's doing this like it's a movie it's a part it was her ex her ex-husband whom she actually loved the first man that she actually loved and she did a incredibly wasn't about they didn't have sex but it was an incredibly intimate scene that they might as well have been they were so connected in that scene that she walked off set and burst into tears. Like she had an intimate connection with her ex-husband. Of course, Celia would be livid with her about that. That makes sense to me. I don't know. Cause I guess I would be mad too. If I think, yeah, I think the main thing was that Evelyn didn't bring it up to Celia beforehand. And was yeah. like, didn't give her the heads up until after and then it was kind of like ask for forgiveness instead of permission and she's and like well too bad you didn't like it we only we like did it anyway we filmed yeah. it today okay fair but still I don't think either of these times she ever was like trying to walk away from Celia um yeah I, I still think that was like you know the one marriage that or one relationship that she never like purposely walked away from and I thought that was like special yeah I don't think she did any of that to go out of her way to hurt Cecilia or walk away I think the first one was to like keep her and to keep their relationship secret and the other one I think she was just focused on her career and it's like doing this is a smart career move is it a smart relationship move probably not yeah no but that wasn't her main focus at the time and it never was like, and I, again, I think that's why it really bothers me is that all of her choices in the book were self-serving. So, so yeah. bear with Nick was, this is going to help us and help, like, it's going to help us stay together. So, okay. That was maybe selfless, but not really because she was concerned about herself. Remember she, mm-hmm. they held hands and she was like, oh my God, people are going to be whispering. And then she married Harry and they had Cameron and she didn't want to adopt she wanted her own baby and she did that and she at least cleared that with Celia first but that was that was self-serving she was I mean and then and then she did the sex scene and so I just I feel like she kept doing things for herself under the guise that it was for her and Celia's relationship and then all of a sudden she doesn't have a career anymore and she's like I'm gonna give it all up I'm ready yeah yeah so it was frustrating for me yeah she's I respect her but I don't like her right so yeah I definitely don't think I could have done what Cecilia did because I think her like concerns of like you know you have the ability to love a man and like you know you love Dawn and Harry was able to give you like this baby are you gonna be sad that like I couldn't give it to you that I'm like, oh yeah, like that would definitely be something that I would have been concerned about if I would have been put in her shoes and not living up to be like her perfect partner. Yeah. And like, you know, so I definitely see where Cecilia's um, like insecurities come from. But I think that would be really hard. Yeah, for sure. Oh, this, this is, there's just so much. Um, Okay, well, one thing I feel like Evelyn has major character growth, especially with like Connor, but there's also like so much loss that to me, this was like a book about like, you know, the growth of a character like that kind of happens from all the loss that happens in her life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like it teaches Evelyn to eventually value relationships over fame. I feel like at the end, she's like, I like, I don't regret anything I did, but, like, also I learned that, like, these people and the relationships are the most important thing in my life. Do you think her growth of, like, especially, I feel like it starts when she has Connor, um, but it really 
ends after like or like really continues when she goes back to Celia for the third time and they like finally get to be together and grow old together and she loses Celia do you think her growth throughout the story that's like impacted by this loss affected how you like saw her in the end yes I mean the the book was was based on loss from the movies that they did together um like from Little Women on um Celia was like did a bunch of very serious films as well until like the personal losses that they experienced in their life that's definitely a shape of person and it certainly shaped Evelyn yeah definitely I think there was forget like what point it is but yeah I like remember like even like in the middle of the book she was like oh well I have about like I she was talking about how like oh well once I get like the house then I'll be happy or then once I get like the house and the vacation home then I'll be happy and then like she keeps going through and she's like actually like that doesn't mean anything and like I have all of this and I'm still like it still doesn't mean anything and it might have been when she wasn't with Cecilia um then I think she like goes on to say like but it was like the people like you know I was always happy with that when I was with these people so it was interesting to see like that growth from like when she didn't have much to like then when she had everything and then when she lost the people um it was really interesting to see and it was really like a fun sad read you know yeah a fun sad read a fun (laughs) sad read exactly yeah (laughs) Also, I just realized I've been saying Celia instead of Cecilia this whole book. So everyone forgive me. I no, it is. Right. is it's, it Celia? it's Celia. Celia. Are you Celia. sure? Yeah. Is it Celia or Cecilia? I think it's Cecilia. No, it's Celia. Her full name is Cecilia Jameson. Jameson. Oh, Cecilia. 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 Yeah. Okay. That was All me. Right. Sorry. No, I was like, oh, wow. No, I said it. We were both right. We were just, you know, she has two people. Trying to like add extra. Yeah. <laughs> Um, more fancy <laughs> okay I don't even remember what I was gonna say never mind carry on <laughs> um well we kind of talked about a little a little bit about this but um like Evelyn from the beginning with Monique makes it clear that she like has no regrets and is not a good person and isn't looking for that forgiveness or closure um but, you know, like, she wanted to be honest with Monique anyway. Like, how did you feel when reading Monique from Monique's perspective, what Evelyn, like, finally tells her about her father's ties to her? Like, how did that that impact, you know, like, how you saw the book? I was super confused. <laughs> um, I think I'm still, like, sitting with that. And I finished the book earlier this week. Um, I think that, I guess I'm... I don't know. I think Monique could have gone her whole life very happily not knowing um, the truth about that situation. And I think that Evelyn just finally wanted to be able to like walk away from life having done a tell-all. And I think that she's just a selfish person that couldn't not do it. So I don't, and I, I think she just burdened Monique even more with that knowledge. Yeah, I don't know if that, if I was in Monique's situation, how I would feel about it. Um, I think I would be upset and be like, okay, you gave me this new information that rocks my whole world um, and everything I thought was alive. And then she goes and talks to her mom and her mom was like, yeah, we weren't like the most passionate and I've had you know, after your father passed away, I've had all these other romances, but I would give it all up for just like a couple more days with your dad. So that kind of like made me feel better that it's like, okay, so like, they were like the Monique's parents were happy and they were each other's champions and maybe like soulmates in a way. So maybe it wouldn't have, maybe the mom already knew or like knew in like a certain way but yeah I don't think yeah I would have been upset if um I got that information and it kind of didn't seem like there was like a good reason behind it except for Evelyn just didn't want to carry around lies anymore right or yeah yeah I mean 
again, I I would prefer, I think I'm a radical honesty person. I, I think it's better for Monique to know. I think, especially knowing that he was gay and cheating on his mom, to me, it's like better than knowing that he got behind a car drunk um, and was responsible for his own death. Like, if that you is were true, like, I, mean, I think I, I mean, they're both like unfortunate situations, but I think I would rather know that, like, he was in love with someone and, like, maybe that led his death over him, like, purposely getting in a car drunk and knowing that, like, that bad decision could leave his family without a dad, like. But also he got in the car with Harry drunk. So, I mean, I don't know if that's much better, but like- Yeah. And do you think- Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, I guess it did give her closure in a way because they were all kind of wondering why he got into the car drunk. Um, Gave one type of closure and then opened up another door. Do you think that each part was- the book that Monique ultimately wrote. Do you think that's how we were supposed to be like reading that? I think so. Yeah. So so ultimately Evelyn gives her this truth and she is very clear that she wants it to be a truthful story. And so my issue with it is that then Monique has to decide, do I out my father to my mom who has been a widow her whole life now because of this. And then do I out him and Harry Cameron to the whole world? Um, or, which she was already gonna out Harry Cameron anyway, because of Evelyn. But, but so, I, so, and then if we're reading the parts like they're the book that Monique wrote, she decides not to do it anyway. So she's been given this truth, this closure, and she doesn't feel comfortable enough to even put it into her book. So I guess maybe that's why it never sat well with me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's a personal choice that she was entitled to make no matter oh, what Evelyn thought. Mm-hmm. Whether, yeah, to like name her father in it or to leave him out. Um, yeah, I don't know. But then Evelyn, that I think that changes to how good of a person you might believe Evelyn Hugo to be. Um, leaving that factor out of the narrative Mm -hmm. the reader might be yeah she just loved Harry Cameron so much she couldn't and and so this nameless man is being framed for his you know driving drunk and his life is ruined but as a reader you can be like well that's fine we don't even know who he is he's faceless and like yeah because I think even like when I was reading I wasn't like I think I was more in that sense of like, oh, she loved Harry so much that she wanted to protect him. And it wasn't until the man in the car was named that I actually like cared about him and like what it meant for him to die um, in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Until it was revealed. I never gave him really a second thought. So yeah. Yeah. So much. And okay, another thing about this book is like, I really love how they stress like relationships as not necessarily even like marriages as not necessarily always being about romance and more of being about like a partnership. Mm -hmm. And how sometimes when marriages end, there's a difference between like, you know, a failed marriage and a failed partnership and this like failed you know, relationship, mm-hmm. there's there's a difference between that and, like, true heartbreak, and I think Monique had to learn that when she realized she wasn't truly heartbroken with the end of her marriage, she was just upset that she failed, and, like, it was still a person that she loved, because marriage is, like, a partnership with someone you love, mm-hmm. but, like, that doesn't mean that, like, you're truly heartbroken when it's over, and I feel like that's, like, not that crazy of a concept, but it's just never something that I thought of before. I always thought of divorce being, like, you know, the most heartbreaking thing that could ever happen, but, like, you know, sometimes it really just can be, like, a failed partnership, like, how do you guys feel about that? Think of the number of people that stay in a bad relationship just because they don't want to admit that they messed up somewhere like and, and failed somewhere along the way I mean it took that was that was a resonating point for me yeah definitely it was something that I never really thought of I always thought of them as kind of like one in the same um but they're not always like that and I really liked how Monique 
like when she was talking with her ex she was like no I don't think that this is actually heartbreak for either of us and I liked that he ended up thanking her later for like doing what he couldn't and I really liked how that um relationship ended and was like tied up yeah absolutely okay one other thing um this book I had very nuanced queer characters to the point that it was like I don't know if it was too nuanced especially in the marketing of the book like one thing I noticed is that number one reading the back cover you can't tell that this is gonna be about a queer romance this book is not marketed as LGBTQ fiction um it's like I like wouldn't have known if someone hadn't told me Mm -hmm. and Evelyn but like also on the other end of it like Evelyn makes it very clear that this the book that she's selling to Monique is like about her life and it's not about her coming out it's just about like her life and not just that one specific part of it and like also her bisexuality wasn't like her entire character it was like the core at the core of her story but at the same time there was so much of her story so much more of her story to that so like how do you guys feel about that like do you think it should have been like more celebrated or like how do you feel about the way that this was done both within the story and within like the book as a whole I think while reading it it was a nice surprise like I was I liked that it was kind of like crept up and um uh, Evelyn and Celia's relationship was a surprise to me and I didn't go in expecting it um but yeah I think like recently I've seen people talking about like it being more LGBT um, in like bookstores recently, but it wasn't like that um, a few years ago. So I think, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but. I bet more people picked it up because it wasn't advertised as an LGBTQ Mm -hmm. book. And so I, I, I mean, I, I bet that expanded the audience more. And then once you get into it and like Lizzie said, it was a nice surprise. Like, so then it, there, there could be this like non paid for hype and advertising around it. Um, as you start reading and that particular, and that community of readership grows, if that makes sense. I do agree with that. I'm, I, I feel like, especially because Taylor Jenkins Reid said that she writes like book club books. Yeah. And like, I like that a lot of, you know, unsuspecting suburban moms can pick this up and get this like beautiful <laughs> queer love story and not know about it. But on the other hand, it's this beautiful queer love story that I think so many more people would have found like that need it if it was mm-hmm. marketed a different way. So I, I see like two sides of this. For sure. Like, even I in 2017 like needed this book a lot more than I need it now and like didn't know yeah yeah it's hard I don't know why publishers decide to do certain things I I would assume it's because she writes book club books and they wanted to get it in front of as many people as they can but I agree it should be celebrated as an LGBTQ yeah work of art because it's maybe one of like the most beautiful LGBTQ books I've ever read so it's it's hard okay quick fire who's your favorite husband I mean we, we always we've talked about Harry so it's probably Harry but yeah I Harry. Don't know. <laughs> um oh oh I was gonna say I really like how planned um Mick was like I really like how it was just like very like cut and dry um I'm just like here's how to get a like how to do this step one yeah, I liked that whole chapter too. You don't want him to think that it was your idea. You want him to think yes. it's so then you do this. And I was like, oh, I love that. that yeah, I really good. liked how that little section was written. Also Rex too. I feel like that was a business deal oh, cut and dry. Oh yeah, I liked Rex too. I like forgot about him. I it liked- was just like very business-like but yeah, yeah I liked him a lot I liked Robert um I thought that that was when she was at her healthiest and I thought that he was a good support system for her to have when she when Celia passed away and I thought he was really good for Connor um so I, I liked Robert yeah definitely good is- stepdad he was the least I feel like developed um they talked more about like you know all of the relationships between the four of them than actually about Robert so I feel like I didn't know him very well but yeah um yeah he's a little bit forgettable 
because I was like, who's which one was Robert? And I was like, oh yeah, he was the good one at the end. The brother. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um I would you okay, I have a casting because I have thought so much about this. So I can tell you who I would cast for these characters. Um, and then if you guys have castings, you can do it, but I'd really want to share this because I'm very sure. excited about Go for it. it. I like okay. really want to hear. Okay. Um, so Evelyn would be Sharon Tate. Do you know who Sharon Tate is? She's from the 50s. Evelyn would be Sharon Tate. Um, uh, Celia would be Elizabeth Taylor, except with red hair. And um, Harry would be Anthony Perkins. He was in all of the um, Hitchcock movies, but I think he just has the oh. right look. And then Monique, um, I cast as Antonia, Antonia Gentry um, from Georgia and Ginny. Um, which is my new favorite show, I think. Um, so that that would be my casting. It's impossible. Most of them are dead, but <laughs> I'm trying to think of this as like thinking of it now. And I want like old like old Evelyn Hugo to be played by Meryl Streep. Ooh, yes. Absolutely. Ooh, yeah. And Meryl Streep would kill for that role too. And I think Moni. Could be um, one of my. Oh, now I'm trying to decide. I feel like there's. Okay, I don't know. This is hard. <laughs> I, I sprung that on you. I've just been thinking about it. Like this, same with Daisy Jones and the Six. I was obsessed and I was like, who is this book based on? And she, she did kind of base it on. So Elizabeth Taylor married seven times or married eight times divorced mm-hmm. seven and then ada what's her name um a- ava ava gardner she did a tell-all to a journalist too and her memoirs were uh, published posthumously and it was called ava gardner the secret conversations and so like so now i want to go and i want to read all about those husbands yeah. and read that book so i just thought way too much about who each of these people <laughs> were in my head well I, I support it. Thanks. Um, okay, Lizzie, this is the, the big question of our podcast that we ask everyone. What is one book that you think everyone has to read? I think everyone has to read The Idea of You by Robin Lee. Um, I think I've heard of that. It is, um, it's a romance kind of. I don't think the author classifies it as a romance book. Um, but basically the main character, so Len, is a 39-year-old mom who takes her daughter and her friends to go see this concert that was basically like um, One Direction, like a British pop boy band. And it's about her resulting relationship with one of the members. So I'm going yeah. to pick this up right away. <laughs> it, <laughs> I'm so excited. It is so good and it is so smartly written um and so it's really nice seeing like the female character be like strong and like make good decisions for her family and be like the one who has to like think things through but it's so good it's so addicting um I've reread it multiple times um yeah it's so good I'm in a Facebook group like about the idea of you like from the group um that's amazing with like the author so it's just it's really fun to like interact when like people finish it and they're like so is there a sequel and it's like no that's so fun okay I'm putting it on hold at the library right now I'm so excited yeah it's so good um I think I finished it like in less than a day like I was very addicted to it perfect hopefully I get it (laughs) right back from my trip yeah I hope so and okay um well Lizzie thank you so much for coming on this episode we yeah thanks for having me that you did and it was (laughs) such great conversationalist the great good good (laughs) with us um Peyton do you should we announce the next book that we're reading yes we're very excited um the next book we're reading is hold on I want to get the title right I put it in um, the, I'm really bad about that. It's, it's called Trouble Girls by Julia Lynn Rubin. 
and we're reading it um and it comes out in june and so we're june gonna first. june first so we'll read it and um give you guys a review before it's published won't be any spoilers we're well, well it's actually going to be a special release episode that's going to be come out on a tuesday yeah. it's the release date of the book june 1st and that's also my birthday. So I emailed the publisher to give us like a special access for a special birthday episode for me because I'm so excited about this book. So you guys like read it the day it comes out and then listen to our podcast that night. Because it's going to be great. We're very excited. And also, yeah. <laughs> also, don't forget to go and give us a like and a subscribe and a follow and all of those things because um, we need the validation. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at you have to read this this book you have to read this book podcast and is that the name of our podcast and um you can find me at books underscore bourbon books and bourbon with underscores between each word and after bourbon and you can find Bailey at booked by Bailey with an IE on the end thank you for remembering um okay guys uh Lizzie to sign off we say cheers friends and I'm gonna count to three okay okay sounds good Cheers, Cheers, friends. friends. <laughs>